0: Yeah. Every, every oh. like so welcome back
1: to Crazy Face Talk. I'm Erica. I'm Steve. And I'm Sarah.
0: And we are in a series that's uh us a perennial favorite of ours, where from <laughs> time to time we take a look at things in pop culture that we are consuming, to use kind of a weird word, reading, watching, whatever, experiencing, that are provoking fake conversations for us. And so so far, if you've been with us in this series, it has ranged from the lighthearted and uplifting to the very sobering (laughs) and scary, uh, and everything in between. And I'm really, really looking forward to a win. Uh, Sarah, tell us where you want to take us today in the conversation.
1: So today I would like to talk about Avatar The Last Airbender. This has been a favorite series of mine since it first debuted on Nickelodeon way back in 2005. And um, when it came out on DVD I very gladly purchased them and forced anybody who I have lived with since to watch them. Um, so I think my husband and I currently watch them, not quite annually, but like every other year I think we like rewatch the series. Um, We were delighted that it has gotten a resurgence in popularity recently because it came on Netflix. Um, It's a sister series slash sequel series. Avatar The Legend of Korra, I believe, is coming out on Netflix soon. If it hasn't already, I no longer subscribe to Netflix, so I can't tell you exactly if it's on there yet or not, but it's coming soon. Um, So today, while talking about Avatar The Last Airbender... There will be spoilers for Avatar The Last Airbender, but not The Legend of Korra. So if you haven't watched it on Netflix yet, don't worry, we're not going to spoil anything. We might reference it, but we're not going to, like, spoil anything. Um, But if you haven't seen it, well, you should, but (laughs) um, it is set in this world that is similar to ours, but people, certain people have the ability to bend or control the elements so fire earth wind or air and water um, and then one and so like the world is been divided into these nations where if uh you know they the, the main part of the continent is the earth kingdom and that's where people live especially uh the people who can bend earth not everybody can bend by the way there's plenty of non-benders And then in the north and then the south, there is the Northern Water Tribe and the Southern Water Tribe, and then there's the Fire Nation in the west, um, which is on a bunch of islands. And then at one point there was the Air Nomads, and um, they were more tended. Like there used to be, there there was like monks and nuns, presumably. Um, But there was one individual. In the whole world who can control all four elements and that person is called the avatar and they would like cycle through in reincarnations um, so there would be an water avatar so somebody from the water nation uh, tribes and then somebody from the earth kingdom and then somebody from the fire Nation and then an air, air nomad and everybody lived in harmony as the introduction of the series tells us. Until everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. And um, the Fire Nation wiped out the Air Nomads. In like a single day or very quickly, just surprised the Air Nomads, at the four Air Temples, and killed everybody. And the Avatar, who hadn't quite come up through the ranks yet, like there was a new Avatar, somewhere in the Air Temples, disappeared. And so that started a hundred year war. And then these two Water Tribe kids discovered the new Avatar. He had been frozen in an iceberg for a hundred years with his Sky Bison. And he has to go on this journey to restore harmony to the world. Because the Fire Nation is still terrorizing the rest of the world. And he has to do that by learning all four elements. Because at that point he's only... um, has mastered air so he has to go and like master water and earth and fire and he keeps being told throughout throughout the entire series which is three seasons long that part of restoring balance to the world is by defeating the fire fire lord and the definition for everybody is oh well to defeat the fire lord you have to kill him and this is like children's show so you know Aang, the new avatar, is like, but that doesn't feel right to me. I, I grew up with the monks and they told me that all life is precious, and therefore, I, I can't just kill him. I can't I can't kill him and end his life that has such a finality to it. Surely there is a different way. And everybody's like, uh no. We we literally can't think of any other ways to defeat him. The way to defeat him is to kill him. And even, like, family members of the Fire Lord is saying, yeah, yeah, you need to kill him. Like, that's that's the way to do it. <clears throat> and he even goes and, because the Avatar is, like, reincarnated, he's able to, like, meditate and ask his past lives, what should he do? And his past three lives tell him, yeah, yeah, you need to kill him. <laughs> and he's like, oh, but that, that still feels wrong and it comes to the 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 end the final battle and he is about to deliver the death blow and he stops and you know this is a moment that he's like nope i can't i can't lower myself to your level i'm not going to kill you and the fire lord instead of being all like oh thank you for your mercy is all like, ah, oh, you're weak, even with all of your great, immense, raw power. You are still weak. And he goes to, like, resume attacking. And Aang, the, the avatar, then does something new and creative that has never been done before by a previous avatar, which is he, um, I, they don't, I don't think they, like, name it on the show, but, like, the creators have called it spirit-bending, and he takes away the Fire Lord's bending ability and that defeats him without taking his life. But to me that that this 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 whole this whole arc that Ang goes through um, is he, he has to kind of figure out for himself what's right. That it seems like he is being given choices and the choices are all not great they're mm-hmm. not what he's comfortable with it's not what he wants to do but he, he's being told that he has to do it and oh i don't think i mentioned this he's 12 <laughs> at this point like mm-hmm. he's a 12 year old boy who's lost his entire people and the world for him seemed to change overnight because he wasn't aware of time passing when he was in the iceberg and they're telling him no this is what right is right everything that you grew up knowing all of these morals and ethics You have to put that aside because you're the avatar and you have to fix the world. And you have to do it in this very specific way. And that's by murder. Hmm. So it's it's him kind of figuring out what's right and being creative in doing that. And not bowing down to all of that peer pressure. Even that internal peer pressure of his past lives saying, Yeah, this is the way you have to do it.
0: Hmm. This seems like it is rife with lots of possibilities or connections with faith but but tell me in particular what's been what's been poking at you for how this has been interacting with your spiritual life
1: well i think in particular right now in ways that it didn't really poke me previously because like i said i've watched the show many times is is this whole deciding what's right when it seems like there's not a whole lot of good choices but right now, our world and our society, especially in the U.S., is very divisive. And it and it's very much seems like the two sides, and, you know, it's the two sides of any argument, and that's not necessarily going to be the two sides anywhere else, but the two sides seem to not be listening well to to each other. And, you know, you, you can take any issue, whether it's... Um, Black Lives Matter, or what do we do about schools reopening in the fall, or the election, or, uh, you know, more contextual for us, how do we reopen in-person worship? Um, You know, it's very much, it often feels like there isn't one good, right answer, or rather everybody seems to think that they have the good, right answer But that's not going to be the good, right answer for everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think Aang having all of these other voices telling him what to do and him still being able to find a creative answer himself that works for him, I think is admirable. Like that he was able to just kind of be still for a moment and find his own answer, which was <laughs> something nobody gave him the option of, which is, oh, yeah, you could just take away his bending
0: mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It, I, I like that idea that there's so many times in life when we're presented with what looks like an either-or choice, and we have to go. That that's a false dichotomy. That not only are these not the only two choices, but maybe even these two really aren't mutually exclusive. There's something good about, or something accurate about mm-hmm. point A, and there's something that's correct about point B. And how am I going to deal with that? I've come up with choice C, which involves some, you know, some of the best and worst. And you know, that. that I think, I think we get sloppy sometimes and accept. When when the world hands us here's the only option, we're well, hey, like, yeah, oh, these must be the only options. that's all been put in front of me. And maybe that's not it. And maybe the important part of faith is the ability to stop and ask, why do I accept that the terms have been given to me?
1: Yeah. Yeah, because and, and granted, because this is a children's show, things fell into place very nicely after mm-hmm. he took away the Fire Lord's bending. Like, they had somebody else from the royal family that was ready to step up and become Fire Lord, and become a different kind of Fire Lord, mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. you know, different than what um, the previous Fire Lord was, who was somebody willing to help restore violence, to no to put an end to the war, you know, and find a way to peacefully exist with the rest of the world after they've been the villain yeah. for a hundred yeah. years. Yeah. Um, you know, that was it was only possible because of this. Friendship that Avatar Aang was able to have um, with the new Fire Lord. Um, and granted, our world is not as well plotted out as the creators <laughs> of Avatar The Last <laughs> Airbender. Air, and you're
0: messier Air.
1: than a three season show. Right, exactly. You're <laughs> a lot messier, but I think that still especially right now when life is so stressful because we're being asked to learn new things. We're being asked to, uh, extend ourselves in ways that we didn't necessarily have to extend. We have to find new creative ways to work and to be, uh, to be family with our, with our families, whether it's because we suddenly have kids at home all the time, or how do we put kids back in school? Or what do we do with this education? Or it's, because we, you know, as a daughter, I have to find a way to be in relationship with my parents without being able to see my parents. Um, there's a lot of these stresses and it's really hard to make creative choices when we are stressed out. Mm-hmm. But I think it's still important to recognize that if we can carve out that space for ourselves, um, I think went and... All right, again, because this is a children's show that's a, very different than ours. He went and sat on the back of a giant lion turtle and meditated right before the battle with the Fire Lord. Like you do, <laughs> and, like you do, and that's how he was able to like discover like this like new thing of spirit bending like that, and like the spirit the, the lion turtle told him.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but you know, he was able to like take that time away and not be with his friends who were all telling him yeah, you have to go and murder this guy. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was able to take that time and to be creative. And I think this is really hard for us sometimes to hear, is we need to carve out that space for us, too. Mm -hmm. We need to take the time to go on retreat, to be in prayer, to study the Bible, and to think of creative solutions to some of the problems that we are facing. And again, that's sometimes really, really hard when it feels like we don't have time, we don't have space, mm-hmm. because you know our kids are always home, or you know suddenly we're working from home, so we can't like the, that line between work and home is very blurred in a weird way. But I think we still have to do it.
0: Well, um, the way you're describing that is is making a, a Jesus moment connection for me, and, in a couple of ways. One is. And I was just thinking about this with the text that was part of our lectionary last Sunday. Um, we had the story of the feeding of the 5,000, but it starts with Jesus going off on his own to do you know, prayer and retreat on his own when he hears about John the Baptist getting beheaded. And it seems to me so often in the Gospels that part of how Jesus faces those difficult moments is exactly that sort of withdrawal and prayer and reflection. That like We sometimes forget that Jesus, the very Son of God, needs this. Mm-hmm. And again, I think... Sometimes I'm, I'm guilty, too, of imagining that in any situation, Jesus automatically was like, here's the exact right thing I'm supposed to do. When, like, that's not really how the Gospels tell it. That Jesus sometimes can be like, all right, I need to withdraw for a little bit, get my hands straight, figure out, what am I doing next? And that grounds him, and then he does, you know, feed the 5,000, or know how to deal with the Pharisees or the Sadducees or the or Ta- whatever. But that there is that grounding. And the other thing I, I, I find myself resonating with when you talk about how uh, Aang, the Avatar, deals with this, and I've, like, watched three episodes. My kids have just gotten into this show, so we've seen, like, three episodes, and I've, like, been making a bedtime snack while it was happening. So I only get a, li- a, li- a little bit for his hand. But the idea of how you deal with what others' expectations of how you're supposed to do your job or fulfill your role, it seems to me like the gospels are rife with that. Like, mm-hmm. in the first century, everybody's got this assumption that when Messiah comes, he'll be commanding angel armies and zapping people with laser beams out of his eyes, or... Uh, raising up a violent army like the zealots wanted to, or bringing new commandments like the Pharisees wanted to, and that Jesus gets rejected by all those different groups because he doesn't look like any of their expectations of what the Messiah is supposed to be. And Jesus offers this alternative, and that Jesus kind of like what Aang has to do is to discover something that involves creative self-giving love as the means of defeating ones, uh, de- defeating evil, and that that Jesus. Ending up on the cross isn't like, well, I tried other ways and it's failed, so I, oh, they killed me. But this is exactly how Jesus reigns as Messiah, is in suffering love. Um, and then it's that Jesus defeats the power of death by doing what looks like getting defeated by death. We talked once upon a time in a series here about that there's a, there's a whole stream in Christian theology. Uh, the Christus-Victor model of the atonement, that Jesus' way of saving is that, they, that God requires a pound of flesh and Jesus has to suffer a certain amount, but more like this is how God defeats evil by breaking apart from the inside by not accepting evil's terms. So I, I have watched
2: this, not as often as you, Sarah, but I have watched <laughs> this a few times. I love the show. Um, and, you know, you're talking about Aang getting away and being purposeful about that. He does that several different times in the episode, you know, throughout the series. Mm-hmm. Especially with the Lion um, Turtle, you know, right before defeating the Fire Lord. But the new Fire Lord also kind of has, like, that moment where he has to... He gets forced into it, though. Like, he has not taken that time. And so, like, he just gets to this point where he has worn himself out so badly... Well he's still the enemy of adding that he just basically goes comatose for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, and he finds this rest and is able and he comes out of this this new person. And I have seen that in myself where if I don't take my time to to spend you know, take my Sabbath and take my time to meditate on the Word and, and to be in prayer and stuff, God's gonna kinda force me to do it. Like, you know, and he's gonna you know what, fine, I'm going to put you on your back, you know, I'm going to, you're going to have surgery, and you're going to be down for four weeks, and you're going to have nothing to do but spend some time with me, like, you know, and we, we have to watch and make sure we don't let ourselves get to that point either.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there is um, a quote from the legend of Korra, um, which, you know, Korra is the avatar after Aang, and so at one point she gets to talk to Aang, um, as, you know, her past, past self, And she like had she. This is all in the first season, so I don't think I'm spoiling way too much. But Korra had, uh, as the new avatar, has difficulty in connecting to her spiritual side. So she's never been able to speak to her past avatar selves, um, which is like an unusual thing for the new avatar. Like usually, you can connect to your past selves, and they're able to help guide you in becoming the avatar that you're supposed to become. And so it isn't until she's hit this rock bottom point that she's able to connect and to talk to Aang. And Aang tells her, when we hit our lowest point, we are open to the greatest change. Mm-hmm. And I think that is that is very true because it's, it's when we're so uncomfortable with our present circumstances that we're able to finally go, okay, these things that I've been holding on to, these, um, these expectations, these traditions these you know the way that we've always been doing it it just cannot continue like it's not working and that's when you're able to start like letting go of those things to you know move forward and you know and i think that is true with uh how what you mentioned about the redemption arc of the um of zuko Mm -hmm. it's true of um Hero has the same, Yeah. we don't get as much
2: of his story, but I mean, we hear about it slowly. He, his uncle has the same kind of redemption story. Yeah. Uh, this
1: feels to
0: me, too, very much like um, what St. John of the Cross calls the dark night of the soul moment. Yes. There, there, mm-hmm. There's there's uh, what's sometimes called a thin tradition in Christianity of recognizing that God isn't just in the sunshiny mountaintop moments, but that sometimes the place of Greatest connection with God is like Elijah on the mountain, you know, with the whirlwind and the fire when he's feeling most dejected, um, or Jesus in the garden, and when there's moments where it feels like everything is coming unglued. Um, and instead of running from those moments um, or trying to pretend they don't happen, to own them, and it's not, you don't have to like smile while it feels like the world is coming apart but to be able to, to see in those moments creative possibilities. And I think that it's that idea of creativity that, that you mentioned earlier, Sarah, that is sticking with me here. The idea that sometimes when we're in a situation that feels awful or solutionless or we're given two rotten choices, A and B, that spirituality looks like creativity in the idea of something that doesn't fit in any of the old categories. And instead of, I've been given this bad situation, I can only look at it as a bad situation. Or on the other hand, pretending it's not bad and just smiling and saying, this is great, this is fine, it's all on fire, but it's fine. Um, to say, this is bad, or this is causing me pain, and yet God can meet me here, and, and to see that God can bring something good and creative in those moments. That seems to me like a deep, deep spiritual uh, piece of, of our faith tradition as well.
2: And there are literally thin places in the Avatar universe. Mm-hmm. You know, like, right, like like the you know, like, Celts talked about. Like it. the Celts yeah. talked about, yeah. So I mean, there's these places where you know Aang is able to more easily connect mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. his
1: past lives, mm-hmm. connect to the spirit world. Um, yeah, we'll be getting more into that in the Legend of Korra. Just you wait. Oh goodness. Okay, I, I haven't seen that one yet. So, <laughs>
2: yeah, the those four was the beginning, was for me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but I think we need to each find those places in our own lives. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have found them at different points in my life. I, I'm still trying to find one in in this stage of my life where I'm serving right now. Um.
1: It and I think going back to the idea of retreat, mm-hmm. so many people that I've talked to in my life say that one of those thin spots for them is camp, mm. and whether it's going to like a Bible camper, Lutheran camper. I'm sure there's Methodist camper, yep. um, and then like. You know, colleagues who will then also use those campsites as places of retreat. That, like, on the off season when, like, it's not the summer camps are all running, but like, still go to those places to go on retreat to take that time away. Because for them, that like physical location is one of those thin spots. It's one of those places where they have an easier time of connecting to God.
0: It, to me, it seems an important piece of the Christian tradition, and certainly I would say this includes Judaism and the Hebrew scriptures as well, is the idea that we're people of mobile thin places, or that thin places don't have to... There's, no, there's nothing magical about the ground, you know? Like, oh, yeah. like in the... I, I, mean, I do think, like, in sort of the, the ancient, ancient cultic tradition, it's more like this geographical spot is somehow closer to the divine, to the spiritual but that Israel at its best moments understands, you know what, it's a tabernacle, and that moves from spot to spot, and that, we, that, that the idea of creating those times and spaces apart is important. And if, if camp does that, part of it may be because there, a lot of the other distractions are removed, and I can be in the presence of God's creation. But it's not that these are the magic maple trees, and if I go to your boring old oak trees, it won't help me. But it's that, it's, it's almost the idea of being okay with there being different seasons of life and different ribbons. There's times when I need to be removed and away from things, and that's okay. I can't do that all the time. Mm-hmm. And maybe that was the mistake of medieval monastic Christianity. It was like, we're going to be on retreat all the time. We will never be involved in the rest of the world's troubles. We're going to be removed. Well... That doesn't work all the time. And on the other hand, if you're always in the midst of everybody else, there's no chance to sit and think and pause. And we need that content balance. There's times we need to be away and just me and God and creation. And there's times I need to be right in the thick of with other people. And holding those together seems important. Knowing that it's okay that what I'm doing now isn't what I'm doing forever. This is what this season calls for. And then I'll do this other thing at another time. Um, the other thing that... that I, I, I'm hearing in your description of Avatar. I'm, I'm glad to hear in, in your description of it that what I've experienced, like, like I say, three episodes of my kids are getting ready for bed that I've, I've experienced scenes about on, on par. And it seems like it's a theme that I also discover in some of the anime movies of Hayao Miyazaki. And I know that mm-hmm. Avatar um, has a, a lot of its world, even though it's fictional, sort of has the feel of, like... Um, Asian mythology and mythos. There's a lot yes. that feels like it resonates with Zen Buddhism and things like that. Um, and Hayao Miyazaki is a Japanese filmmaker, um, and he was famous for movies like Howl's Moving Castle in Spirited Way and Princess Mononoke and Hanyo. Th- there's a recurring theme in a lot of his movies, and I see in a lot of other post-World War II Japanese pop culture of uh, the problem isn't just fighting an enemy, but that war itself may be the problem. Mm-hmm. And that like yeah. the idea that it. Like you're describing that Aang, the Avatar, it, okay, the fire nation is in some sense the enemy, but in the end the solution isn't I must destroy them all, that's what part of this problem in the first place, but how to disarm or how to create a situation where we don't have to kill each other anymore. And that's definitely there in movies like Howl's Moving Castle um, or Spirited Away, where it's not so much um, who's the bad guy we have to kill, but why do we accept the assumption that we have to be in, at war with one another? And it seems to me that's another important piece of... of the, the Christian tradition as well. That in the end, the gospel's promise isn't just that we beat up on a villain and punch them into submission, but that the cross is God's way of redeeming and saving the world. Yeah. Which means that suffering love is the way, rather than accepting evil's terms. So,
1: so what I also really appreciate about this series is that series is because Legend of Korra picks up like 80 or 90 years after Avatar Bender ends and so it's like this huge jump in time and so suddenly there, the world is in harmony kind of with each other there's like this new neutral ground city called Republic City where like people of all four nations can come and like live together and it's kind of like this experiment and it's you know it's succeeding and failing at the same time mm-hmm. um, but like as this new series started started all of the fans of avatar the last airbender went kind of like okay hold up how did we get from a to b like Mm. how did they like how did they create republic city how did they finish restoring the world to balance because like the last episode of avatar the last airbender is oh the war just ended uh zuko is crowned fire lord that's it that's Mm -hmm. the end of the series and so they came out with a series of comics which are still ongoing Mm -hmm. that's exploring that that time period between the two series and so they're like you know because Zuko has a great redemption arc but that doesn't mean that his story his redemption arc he's is over he's still at that this tension in Mm -hmm. his life of Mm -hmm. I want to do good, but as he says in one episode, why am I so bad at being good? Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's still like struggling with how do I be a good Fire Lord when all of my examples have been my father, who is not good. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I that I think that kind that that wrestling with war is bad, but this is also all the world has known at this point because this war yeah. has been going on for a hundred years. How do we be in society with each other and not be at war? Yeah,
0: yeah. And it feels to me like, again, there's, there's echoes in my mind of that recurring vision in the prophets of there will come a day when nations will stream to the, the temple of the Lord and learn how to beat their swords in the plowshares and they won't learn warring. That, that, that line mm-hmm. seems important to me. It's not just sort of like by divine fiat, we stop fighting, but that we have to unlearn the old ways and learn a new way of being in community together.
2: Mm hmm. And the storyline of Avatar is not just unlearning war. There's so many things, um, so many, that, you know, um, how many else? Are, you know, there, there's talk about feminism and, and so many oh, yeah. other, like these little story arcs that happen like within an episode or within a couple episodes, like For a
1: series. Like there's, um, you know, they face sexism in the Northern yes. Water Tribe. The um, anxiety. Earthbending teacher is taught a blind twelve-year-old girl who is the self-proclaimed greatest earthbender in the world, and it's true because she invents an entire new subcategory of bending called metal bending, which is all kinds of cool. Um, But that, like that, kind of you know, she she faces um, you know people who assume things about her because they look at her. She is small. She is petite. She is blind. And they assume things, yeah. and it's wrong because she can. There's
2: so many assumptions <laughs> that they break down.
1: Right, yeah. It's. throughout the series. Such a good series. I highly recommend it to everybody.
2: And how they can do that to, at a kid level.
1: Yeah. It still
2: shocks me because these are things that, like, we as adults struggle talking about. Yeah. But yeah, somehow, you know, this kid show is able to break these things down.
1: And I think that we are getting in a new era of storytelling for children. You know, Miyazaki has always been good at this type of storytelling for children. Um, Avatar The Last Airbender, I think, is a great cartoon show for kids and adults. Um, But there's also She-Ra, The Princesses of Power, that's on Netflix right Mm -hmm. now. Um, There is um, uh, something else on Netflix, but I can't remember what it is. So anyway, there's lots of things that I think if you just glance at it, it looks like a great kids show, but they've faced yeah. so many real world problems of how we are in community that I think it's worth us as adults to look at.
0: And I think part of what maybe you're, you're, you're uh, getting onto there is I noticed a difference in some kids aimed programming now that feels different than like the saturday morning cartoon shows that i i remember and that like those felt very much like it was 22 minutes of good guy punches bad guy so we can Mm -hmm. sell breakfast cereal and toys whereas like the the point of having the show was to sell the action figures and the breakfast cereal Mm -hmm. and so the near like nobody really thought about these stories all connecting what was the bigger point it was just good guy toys were good guys that also have toy counterparts punch bad guy and basically if there was a lesson it was in the end, the way to win is you punch the bad guy more than they punch you, um, and that we're in an era where story—it's okay to tell different kinds of stories. That I, I really like the idea that maybe the problem is why did not we accept those terms in the first mm-hmm. place, and that there can be something worth redeeming in those we've identified as the villain or the enemy, and there are weak spots in us who identify ourselves as the good guys or the heroes, but that's more nuanced, complicating storytelling, and you have to be willing to let go of the action figure. You know, mm-hmm. and I think that's it. Like. I, while there might be parts of Avatar that would be cool to have action figures for, the going in, my my action figure is sitting and meditating on a lion turtle, I'm not sure that like it would be harder for my kids to get excited about that. Mm-hmm. But they can get engrossed in a show beyond just I need to own the toy of it, mm-hmm. and you have to be willing to take the risk of telling stories like that that are more nuanced and richer and and sometimes break apart the categories.
2: Like, I see that even with Disney movies, like in the princesses, sure, movies, yeah, yeah, you know, like Frozen, Moana, and Princess and the Frog, like all these movies that these princesses are no longer looking for their prince, right, right, right. You know, they're looking to become strong, you know, powerful, leading women, right. Which is not this, you know, the stories that we all grew up with, especially Sarah and I, as yeah, women, no. <laughs> you know the weak little princess needs her prince to come and save her. Yeah, and
1: and sometimes they find romantic love but sometimes they find family love.
0: And and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really important that like, it's it's not like the goal of new Disney movies is to destroy the idea that you can fall in love but it's more like, okay, that's one piece but like, that's not the whole of life Mm -hmm. and if your whole point of your life is the kiss that saves you, and then we, we don't have to look at what happens two weeks later as you're married to this stranger whose only credentials they kiss you away.
1: In fact, they make fun of that in Frozen. Right, and I right, love right. that, of like, you can't just marry somebody you've just met. Right, <laughs>
0: right, right. And, and I, I, so, yeah, as much as, as sometimes folks can bemoan, oh, the stories aren't, they're not telling the stories like they used to. In some ways, I are like, there's a lot of ways that can be a good thing, Yeah. Um, and that can make... People be thoughtful in ways that we, we maybe were never compelled to be before.
2: Well, it reminds me of our last episode where we we're talking about you know the church owning the Bible mm-hmm. and the church actually using the Bible to help you know. Like, yeah, this is relooking at the story that's been around for two thousand plus years, right. And saying, okay, there's still stuff for us to learn from this, and we, we know that. But, like, how do we look at Scripture in a way that can teach us something for the 21st century?
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think in that way, too, that allows a kind of Bible reading that's different than just reductive morality. Like, either a character's a good guy or a bad guy, mm-hmm. But you're like, you know what? All the characters have these deep, deep, weak places, and there may be moments where any of these characters have things that are noble. And maybe the point of the story isn't reducible to be like this person, be good, and don't... But, like, mm-hmm. look how these people struggle through doubt and faith and courage and integrity and violence and all these things and mm-hmm. how god holds them through all this nevertheless yeah. um, i think that you know, it's it's a more rigorous way of using the bible too mm-hmm. and it's, it's resistant to like being reduced to like here's a 10 minute lesson that ends with a one sentence um you know moral of be a good little boy be like be like gallant don't be like goofus yeah. um, but that seems a lot closer to what those stories were held on to in the first place for well, um, I appreciate you being willing to share with us uh, an overview of Avatar and Legend of Korra. Um And we hope that you've been uh, finding it valuable to ex- uh, have some conversation and exposure to new bits of pop culture. Whether you join in and watch or read or view, just to have new ways of engaging your faith. But thanks for listening and join us next time here on Crazy Faith Talk. See you
2: all. Bye. <laughs>